everyone, this is Inside the Tribe. We talk here about moving to another country, integration, challenges, fun, and experiences while living in different culture. Today, I have a new guest. It's Marina. Hi, Marina. Hi, Masha. Thank you for inviting. I'm looking forward for our today's discussion. And um, as already a tradition, um, first of all, I would be curious to listen from where you are originally and what was the first move in your life and how did it go and then we'll see where our story continues. Yeah, of course. Thank you for curiosity and I'm very happy to share my experience. So I was born in Minsk, Belarus, and then as a teenager, I moved for the first time. This was to Israel. So this was a completely different experience from moving second time. Uh, because second time I moved six years ago as an adult already to Switzerland and I live in Switzerland six years. As a teenager was it your decision or was your parents decision? It was completely my decision so the reason why I wanted to move is first of all this teenager rebel that I did not want to stay at home I wanted to explore new countries new cultures And I felt very connected to Israel because I have Jewish roots. I went to Jewish school in Minsk and the most natural decision for me was to move to Israel. So I was 15 at the time, very interested in Jewish culture, Jewish traditions. And I asked to move to Jerusalem. And of course, instead of Jerusalem, I was moved to Kibbutz. It's kind of a community village in the desert near Be'er Sheva. So this is south of Israel. So somewhere absolutely different place. Absolutely different place. I could not imagine that I find myself uh, in the desert area at the age of uh, a bit less than 15. And that's how I I found uh, myself in, in this south area of Israel and started my journey. So I studied school. This was very interesting because uh, studies are in Hebrew. So there is no this transition that you use the language that that you already know very well as English, Mm -hmm. as you can study at Basel University and how I did it here in Switzerland, but you need to study at local language. Sorry, but in Minsk, you were in Jewish school or there was no uh, language? There were some basics. So you know how the holidays are called and you can uh, build basic sentences. You can tell about yourself. But here, these are high school studies. You okay. need to, to do the exams actually to get your high school diploma. So this is definitely a different level. However, there, is, there was within an integration program. So there was an integration product, uh, program and we could study language very intensively. So during the first year, most of the people who were even at zero level of Hebrew could suddenly speak Hebrew, write in Hebrew, and do their high school studies in Hebrew. Okay. Where did you live? I mean, 15, was it like a dorm? Uh, how do you call it those? Aside the school, there was a living place? Or how, how did it go? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could imagine what most people think when they hear about a bunch of teenagers living alone without their parents. So yeah, it was kind of boarding school. So every group lives in its house. So we were 17 teenagers, if I remember correct, and we lived in a house. So every two girls or two boys in a room, 
And we cooked together breakfasts. We cooked together dinners. And lunch, we were eating at the, at the kibbutz. So mm. kind of cafeteria. So it trains you very much to the community life and that you can live in a team, work in a team, because it's not that it's you can just uh, live or you can, after your school day, go home yeah. and forget about your classmates or you can live for the weekends. Mm. No, you stay there. So these are your people, uh, your classmates, which become your friends uh, with the time. And you need to build very good and strong connections to, to survive. Yeah, I think this experience like living, you know, in a school, common spaces or afterwards, like renting, I don't know, big flats with friends or um, other people. It really brings the experience how to live and build the communication with others and what means the common space. And I always say that my kids first, they will do that. Like either they go to university and live near university or they live with some friends and rent flat so they will not get you know right away their own private place to leave so they need to it's like a school of life for me definitely it's definitely school of life because you learn how to live with other people and to build your own uh, borders and boundaries because you know these are teenagers so there are a lot of hormones in the air <laughs> and this first trials of uh, of alcohol and uh, some bit less legal stuff. So this is something to be aware of. On another hand, you learn how to help others and also how to get help. So for example, if you have some issues with, with studies, uh, you're not alone. It's not only your mom, dad, and maybe a private tutor. You have the whole group of different people with different talents. And that's how Uh, I think only one person in our class did not get the, the high, this really high school diploma, but all others completed the studies very successfully and could, after the army, start university. Okay. Were they also different nationalities or it was more or less a monoculture and several people were out of this culture? So uh, these groups in the, the program, the program is called Na'ale, I built according to the language. My group was a group of Russian-speaking teenagers. People were mostly from the former USSR. Mm -hmm. It means Russia, Ukraine, uh, um, Azerbaijan, uh, Belarus, of course, I'm from Belarus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And there are also groups from, from other countries. So English-speaking, they are mainly from US, Spanish-speaking from Argentina and Mexico. So this is based on the language. Okay. Well, that, I think, was kind of a plus to have a little bit of... The same, like the same language also. Yeah, language is the common base because when we moved, this was completely new country for all of us and culture is different. School culture is different from this Russian style of, you know, well-dressed children who go to school and uh, discipline at school and you raise your hand uh, before asking a teacher. Here, Teenagers were coming with the kind of boxers, with Mickey Mouse on their <laughs> buttocks, shorts. Um, so it was absolutely also different dressing style. So this is the first thing that you put attention to. Mm -hmm. And also there is no discipline. So there is no such thing that everyone stands up when, when the teacher comes in. Like so less authoritative, right? 
yeah, this was much much, much less authority than in yeah. Russia. And the good thing was that there are much more psychological safety if I compare it to mm. traditional Russian culture, uh, much less bullying. So this was really uh, important to the staff and to the teachers. So in this teenager culture where bullying can happen, um, I felt that in comparison to Belarus, in Israel, it was really important. So our motto of our school was zero tolerance to, to violence. Mm. So I, I could imagine that you could maybe drink alcohol and be caught by the teacher in the evening or, or maybe smoke a joint and be caught. So the consequences could be negative, but they would not you throw away from school for this. But if you would be violent or you would be bully for, for this, you, you could be thrown okay. away from school. Okay. In comparison of 15 years being raised in Belarus, like what was the biggest mentality change? Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, so the most important mentality change for me was the perception. How do you actually feel yourself in the in the country, in the culture? So in Belarus, you at least I was um, unit. So how I interact with with people, it was always like myself. However, in Israel, there there was a lot of importance to community, a group, a group, exactly yeah. a group. So to which group are you belonging? So this importance of the family. I can't say it's a good thing or bad thing, but this is something very specific to Israel when you start to be immediately labeled. So are you religious, not religious? Oh, to which religion do you belong? Uh, which uh, for which country are you coming from? So you immediately belong to some some group. So this is a kind of maybe strength because then the group feels responsibility to be connected to their members and the people feel immediately connected even they just speak the same language so you feel but do they take connected. like is community really taking responsibility like they care of the members of each groups or it's more formality This okay. is an informal thing. So there is no such thing uh, like, I don't know, community of Russian speakers with a president who takes care about interests of, of, the, of the community members. But these are in, in, informal groups in society, but these informal groups are very strong and people feel connected there. And that's why it comes with this immediate feeling of belonging. Even you move to completely another country which is Israel but there is a community of Russian speaking people or people which moved from US or people which moved from UK and you immediately have you like tribe yeah. so this is uh, the the special thing about Israel however you are immediately labeled and a lot of stereotypes come with that so this is the the downside um it's interesting thing about the labeling but I think these stereotypes cliche or labels whatever you call it I mean, it's everywhere just because our brain is working like this. Each person you see, you think, okay, how old are you? What language you speak? Do you work? You don't work. Where you live? What you wear? It's like for us, seeing what is common and what is different and where in categories I put you, then it's less unknown, then it's more safety. Indeed, we all tend to put different people to, to different boxes in our head. However, in Israel, this is very specific to origin. Mm. 
Mm. And when we talk about, so it's not like we do it here in Switzerland, you kind of do prototyping, phenotyping, and then you understand the plus minus, uh, okay, this is this box, this is that box. This is, think about Israel as origin, so it means that even people were born in Israel and their parents were born in Israel, they're still considered to belong to the origin group of their grandparents, mm. something like that. Okay, so it's like generation thing. Generation thing, yeah, and this, this goes according to your communities of, of origin. Interesting. I mean, do, do people move a lot internally in Israel? Or they kind of many generations, one city? Israel is very dynamic. So people do move. Uh, however, they preserve their circle of, of friends. Okay, how, how do they do it if they really move to another cities? You know, Israel is a small country. So mm-hmm. it's from, yeah, you, you can just travel and uh, cross Israel in, in five or six hours. Oh. There are no traffic jams because if there are traffic jams, <laughs> you cannot even visit the neighboring city because then you stay in the, the traffic jam for two, two hours. So without traffic jams, you, you can do it very very quickly so we're not talking about huge territories like germany or france this is a small country so many people who live in tel aviv or in the center and their families uh live in the north uh, you just take a car and you drive so everyone drives and this is the reason of, of huge traffic jams because friday evening traditionally you go you visit your family okay so and everybody this- everybody move everywhere Exactly. Yeah. So the sad thing there is what do you, if you don't have family? So Mm. I think it's really important to understand to people who would like to move to Israel for some reasons, that it's very difficult to be lonely in Israel. Because yeah, if we start to compare now between integration in Israel and my next move to Switzerland. So integration in Israel is very based on the social component. You must find friends. You must find something which will, some people which will be substitute of your family because family is, is crazy important in Israel. So in Switzerland, you start from work. If you start to work and you connect to your colleagues, um, for me, this was um, a real start of the integration here in Switzerland. But in Israel, social component is much more important than work. Okay. So, yeah. But what I've heard that the social contact in Israel is much easier, the first social contact, you know, than in, for example, in Switzerland. This is uh, completely right. You find uh, people to talk to everywhere and it's uh, very common that strangers just start to talk to each other and you clearly see the difference with small children in Israel you cannot imagine situation when you as a mom come with your baby to to a swing and another mom comes to a swing and conversation starts so conversation would not start maybe if both are talking uh, using their phones at this moment Mm. but the conversation just starts immediately in public transportation and in the supermarket, on the streets. So it's normal to talk to people that you don't know <laughs> and also ask very private questions. Okay, and so it's, connect- not, it's not a survey, surface communication, it goes deeper. Yeah, 
So it, it could be also very annoying because if you're not interested to share your personal life, like it happened to me when I uh, finished my studies uh, at the university. So my first degree is a pharmacist and started to work in a hospital. Then there, the first question was, do you have a boyfriend? Um, and you might not be interested to share your personal life with people that you see first uh, time in your life, but this is so common. And it comes maybe from a good place that people take care, that no one would be lonely, that everyone will find a partner. It's not just a small talk. Hey, how is the weather today? Do you like the weather? This is tempt to get to your bones, which yeah. not everyone likes. Yeah, I see. Do you perceive yourself from Israel or from Belarus? It's a difficult one. When I was living in Israel, I was feeling myself uh, completely as Israeli because I studied there in school and I served in the army, they started my family there and did all my studies there and uh, have most of my friends in Israel. So from Belarus, I don't really have friends because many of them also moved abroad. Okay. However, when I did my second move to Switzerland, I started to realize that no, I have very strong component in my personality from Belarus. This where I was born, to which culture I relate myself. And there are many elements in Israeli culture which I will never accept. <laughs> so um, now I'm in this zone of feeling myself Both cultures. Mm -hmm. yeah, both cultures and with a small piece of, of Swiss culture, mm -hmm. which also starts to be part of my personality. I do not know many people from, from Belarus, but is there, from, for you, like a, a bit of insider, what are the specific characteristics of, of personality of Belarus people? For me, is um, characterizing people from Belarus is tolerance. So there are a lot of jokes on that. Mm. <laughs> and that uh, you, if you need to say kind of stop, I don't like it. So the, the culture is culture of tolerance. It means that you accept many things without questioning them. You are open to, to different cultures and to different people because in Belarus, it was always road junction between uh, Russia and Ukraine and Lithuania, Latvia, Poland. And Belarus was always divided into pieces. So this was piece of Ukraine. This was piece of Poland. Mm. As an independent country, I don't think that existed too long uh, during the history. So this is maybe something uh, characterizing people from Belarus. Tolerance and this openness to, to different cultures, to different people. Interesting point. Thank you for sharing. Could you ever speak on the local language? Belarusian? Uh, yeah, yeah uh, I studied this in school. Um, so if I really need, I need, I can talk <laughs> in <laughs> Belarusian. Yeah, but since I haven't lived in Belarus uh, since, uh, wow, 20 years, almost 20 years. Now, of course, it would be much more challenging. Most of the people in Belarus speak Russian. Mm. So Belarusian, this either comes from uh, people who feel themselves patriotic and they prefer to speak Belarusian because it's the language of the, of the country. So it's either people who make this choice that they speak uh, Belarusian or people who live in small villages. How many languages do you speak? I speak Russian, which is my mother tongue, speak Hebrew. 
after all these years of living in Israel and also this is the language we speak in our family. Uh, I speak English, obviously, because this is the language that we work on. I speak uh, some languages which now are a bit less in use. So they're not the main ones, but I speak Italian because I spent uh, every summer uh, during my childhood in Italy. And uh, I studied Polish in school, so if it will be really needed, I, I can understand and uh, talk a bit. Uh, I studied German here in Switzerland, so I can communicate in German. But wow, what a list! Quite different language, right? So it's it's not five languages from Europe, very different languages. Congrats! Another point, which is. I, I, I would love to hear it and I think for other people would be also interesting is Israel army and as everyone boys and girls go in the army would be interesting to hear how was it for you I mean it's a normal thing right so you grew up and you just you just go there it's not like a question do I go or not yeah by default you go to the army of course uh, not everyone feels you would like to spend two or three years of your life somewhere. So, of course, there are people who choose to find a reason and not to go to the army or to do civil service, which is also possible. Uh, however, yeah, by default, you go to the army. So in school already, you start to think what I would like to do in the army. Uh, maybe I'm not a typical example because I was raised in the Soviet culture of that going to university is so important and studying is so important. So for me, when I was at school, it really felt that now I'm going to waste two years of my life mm. instead of studying at the university. So I can't say that I was very motivated at that time. And I decided that I want to be in medical forces. How is it important for the future? Being part of society, because it's it's common of small talk. Um, when you start a new job, most probably the the first conversation so the first question would be of course are you married do you have kids second question would be what what have you done in the army it's important it's, it's in like the a, air yeah must to do list kind of yeah and people yeah. who did not serve in the army for example um, arabs are not obliged to serve in the army in israel so my husband who is arab christian he did not serve in the army uh, because you're just not called. He, he felt sometimes excluded in, mm. in these conversations because this is kind of common ground for, for most of the people yeah. in Israel. When you do a specific job in the army, you can turn this to be your student job, for example. Mm. So I was in medical forces and get a train, got a training as a, a military medic, was sent to serve near Gaza Strip, which was also a rich experience. And I think that from there, I'm very stress resistant. So okay. uh, because basically it's a dangerous place to be. However, when you are there, you don't think about the danger all the time. You just think about the activities that you need to perform and about your job. And my job was the same white coat that I was wearing many years afterwards most of my day was taking care of, of the soldiers who did not feel well yeah, and then I was promoted to be manager of the clinic so this is also something 
crazy different from Europe than in Israel. Your first experience of being a team head is at the age of 19. <laughs> wow. It's kind of puts you already in the grown-up life, right? Yeah. You become very quickly grown-up because you're mm -hmm. responsible for your team. And, and I, I was not even an officer. So people who were officers, they say even much more responsibilities. So um, this is something mind-blowing now because I understand where this thing of being grown up comes from. Yeah, I mean, you made a choice at 15 to move to another country yourself. So I'm not surprised that you were a team of the, uh, the leader of the team at 19. And I also think it's a bit something different from European countries and post-Sovetic countries, because also in Russia, you grew up much, young, uh, much faster. So I don't know, at not probably Moscow or St. Petersburg, but in other cities, you assumed at 25, having two kids, having family, having this, that, that many years at work. So nobody spends years of traveling or living Um, I don't know, at 27 without a job, like you need to, you, you kind of pushed to a grown up life and you maybe now you have more choice. Our generation probably had less choice. And it's also, it's not good or bad, but it's different from Europe. What we see, it's, it's like they stay longer with families sometime or they kind of still not deciding. We just push to choose. You like, you choose what you study, And then you decide what you be. Sometimes you study one thing and you work different thing later. Because how can you decide at 18 what you will do the whole life, right? And in Israel, for me, the, the interesting thing, it was that we all had our jobs with a lot of responsibilities in the army. And then when you finish the army and you go to the university, you become baby again. Because mm -hmm. many people, they live with their parents during their studies. You, you have much less responsibilities suddenly. You yeah. work as a waiter or barman and, or any other student job. So I worked as a hostess in five-star hotel in Jerusalem as a student job and uh, was first aid instructor and did my studies. So then you become suddenly regular uh, student. Many people also take a break, go mm. to travel around the world, see the world before you decide what you are going to do. What is then the age in Israel when they say, okay, really, at this age, you're really grown up? Is there something like this? I don't think so. I think it's very dynamic and it's totally okay for people to start studies at the age of 30. Okay. And um, in, in some uh, professions, you can't really even start to study before age of 21. So even if for some reason you, you did not go to the army or you want to start to study these professions like medicine, you need to be 21 years old because you're considered to be not mature enough to, okay. to start this kind of studies. But I would say around maybe 30, 30 is the age to be grown up. And then if we consider having a family as a part of being grown up, then it depends on the sector. If okay. we're talking about religious sector, marriages happen during studies so not necessarily bachelor studies but master time and of course if people do phd phd time this is the time to bring children mm -hmm. and it's completely different from europe one last question about the army and it's a kind of a, a stereotype question just to hear your opinion about this 
did you feel and do you think that the army is a place for a woman? It really depends on your unit. Army is a mixed place. So there are girls everywhere. Of course, maybe in some units where you are minority, maybe it feels different. But in my unit, it was 50-50 okay. or maybe even 60-40. So girls are everywhere. Girls are doing everything. And I was in medical forces, so traditionally girls go to medical forces, uh, but also men. Everyone is accepted, any kind of, of sexual orientation, accepted very well. Uh, you can be open gay and don't feel uh, bad with that. Mm -hmm. um, you can come from religious sector, so boys who come from religious sector, sometimes they're already married in the army. So mm. age of 1920, this is actually the place of the beat up where people from all socioeconomic levels, from all cultures, from all tribes, they meet. So this mm. is the army. And for me, uh, it was an opportunity to meet with people from absolutely different cultures, different understanding of life and different priorities in life. Yeah. So I always wanted to move and I, oh, I want to develop myself. I knew that I would like to do very serious studies and pursue serious profession. However, I met for the first time colleagues which were not planning to study at all, which were planning just to, to start the family and enjoy their life. And this uh, kind of university studies were never on agenda and um, importance on the family so that they, for them, it was very important to keep connection with 100 to 150 members of, <laughs> of the family. And for me, maybe 10 family members are more than enough. Yeah. So very different people. And I did not feel anything related to me as a woman in the army. I had this job of medic and then uh, so never cannot recall anything which is linked to the fact being a woman. Okay. So. Coming to the point of your work, it would be really curious to know how do you feel again? Sorry to bring it up, but um, being a woman in, in science and being a woman scientist in Israel and in Europe and Switzerland, how does it feel? Is there any difference? Is there any different attitudes? Where do you need to bring yourself more? And what? How? how is it to be in that field? So just to, to make it more focused, I'll share um, one sentence about my background. So sure. I'm pharmacist and I'm pharmaceutical scientist. And I did my PhD in pharmaceutical sciences here in Basel. So for me... The experience in Israel was that your gender actually doesn't matter. This question of you being a working mom or having kids while you built your career as a scientist was never part of the concern because mm -hmm. everyone is working in Israel. So every woman, and it doesn't matter where, where do you work. So I had role models at my university, professor, which, which has three children. And uh, yeah, you, you see in general that in academia, traditionally, the highest positions are held by, by men. However, the president was woman at the time. So it was really mixed. For me, it, was, it felt very normal to start a family, to bring my first child in Israel. It was during master's studies. There were no concerns. It was completely normal. Yeah. Being mom 
is part of your career, no matter which career do you choose. The only thing which was negative is that women are expected to be paid less. Mm. So I heard it also, even, even from my friends that, ah, oh, yeah, you earn like that, but because I'm man, I should earn <laughs> like that. So I was furious because for me, uh, you should be paid according to your responsibilities, experience, uh, what, what, what are you doing, not based on gender. So this thing, um, it's not all uh, pink and nice. So this uh, pay gap exists. Okay. Um, however, as a scientist uh, and a pharmacist in Israel, I did not feel any concern of uh, combining family and work because there is no even discussion on that. Okay. It's normal to combine. And the downside is that I was expected to start work immediately after <laughs> I give birth. So it was 12 weeks at the time or 13 weeks. The child is three months and you expected to come back and be fully efficient, work 100%, do your studies in parallel, be, be a superwoman. Here it's the same. So it didn't change for you much in this point here in Switzerland? Uh, I, I, I don't agree much with okay. you because what I think uh, in Switzerland, if you choose to come back to work, of course you expect it to be efficient, but I feel that here it's totally okay not to come back to work or take a long break. And uh, sometimes I feel this misunderstanding in the air. How are you working 100% when you have two children and this judgment in the air? The, the society is not a monolith. So we have expats and we have local people. And among local people, it's very rare that uh, women uh, do their careers as uh, scientists and, uh, and have children. So this was a difference for me in, in Switzerland that if you want to do PhD degree, you are kind of not expected to have children mm. until you finish your PhD degree. Okay. And uh, I was completely black sheep in this <laughs> uh, um, aspect because I had my, my two children, did my PhD degree, and, and this was a strange thing. And there is a lot of discussion of being a mom, being a woman in STEM, being a woman in science, being a woman in technology. And I also, when I, when I started to work, work in Switzerland, I had a look around um, and you see mostly males, at least in, in science. So now I moved to, from technical to more clinical kind of job. And there are many, many colleagues are, are women. So this is a bit different. Okay. However, the last uh, six years in Switzerland, I always faced this discussion. How do you work having two children? How do you pursue PhD degree while having two children? And um, when I was pregnant and I was looking here for position of PhD position, it was um, immediate no when mm. people heard that I was pregnant. So this is also something to kind of difference that I mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Being six years in Switzerland, it's quite already um, a term, right? Would you say in what ways living here, staying here changed you? It, it's a very good question because integration was not process which started and completed so I'm in this journey I'm in, in this process maybe what was very different from how I planned my life in, in Israel and how, how I lived my life in Israel in Switzerland I really started to plan in advance mm. 
So you are not only tactic, you're also strategic. You think what you would like to do, what you would like to achieve. And these are also very small things like planning vacation. In Israel, for me, this was everything was last moment. There are so many changes that you cannot really plan. And, and there is a lot of flexibility, which, which is a great thing. In Switzerland, um, I started to plan and I really enjoy this because um, what could possibly go wrong if you <laughs> plan to meet with someone at 6 p.m.? The latest time that the person will come is five minutes after six, right? So you can really plan. This creates absolutely different style of life because you expect things to happen. You plan, you plan your career. I plan things for children. I plan for them what they're going to do next summer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it happens, right? And it, it, it happens, exactly. Yeah, so this kind of planning thing was the major uh, change. And also maybe it it, I'm not sure that it's connected to Switzerland, but uh, or maybe I'm just becoming older, but I gave myself an opportunity to relax and to rest so that it's okay not to run all the time. I think it's more age. Okay, I, can, <laughs> I can sign under this statement also. <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of really prioritize things that we really ours and put aside other stuff. I would say going to the end of our recording today, what short tips would you give to people who just thinking to move first time anywhere? What can help? We are inside the tribe, right? Yep. Podcast. So what I would definitely recommend is to find your tribe, to find group of people because when I moved to Israel I uh, was so keen to connect to locals to Israelis people who were born in Israel live in Israel and uh, I found myself even not to speak in, not to speak Russian too much because I was so keen to to stay in touch only with local people but local people cannot understand the whole journey that you have done now, that you moved from one country to another country, that you don't have family, that you need to build all social connections from scratch. So this is the first, uh, the first tip that I would give. And you will see that the, the integration will come easier and faster. Yeah. And second tip will be not to stay only inside this tribe that you have found because then you <laughs> might find yourself locked in a specific group of people. So it's very important after you find some community to support you, to go out from this community, to connect to local people, to dare and not thinking, oh, I just moved to, from another country. I'm not really local. I don't speak the language. You can do whatever because we, we live in a global war, a world, you can do things which are related to your skills and to your experience and to your knowledge. It doesn't matter yeah. from which country do you move. So this is the second tip. Um, the third thing that I'm thinking about is to explore the mechanism. So how in there, how in Israel it was so important to find uh, friends and social connections. And in Switzerland, it's very important to find work. So understand how the integration mechanism goes because each country and specific elements of this country it's like a stability pillars right yeah exactly may i ask you to say inside the tribe in hebrew yeah of course <laughs> thank you thank you marina very much for today's talk it was a pleasure
And thank you guys for listening to us today. We hear us in a week, as always. Enjoy listening to us and bye-bye.